live from the Badlands of Texas. You're listening or you're watching Midnight Radio all the way from Southern Australia, Northern Ireland, and everywhere in between 360 degrees around the earth into the earbuds in your ears. I am your host, Gerald Schmemans. Hello, friends, and hello, Fruit Loops. We have a lot of stuff to go over tonight. We do. I'd like to thank our executive producers, but we don't have any. Nobody's chosen to support this show. I thought I'd been doing well, but I guess not. <sighs> I shall I shall continue here. If you'd like to become an executive producer, anything $20 or more makes you an executive producer for the next show. Anything under that makes you a producer. We have a lot to go on. You know, when I do this show... Oh, by the way, whether it's Cash App, Dollar Sign, Midnight Radio 101, or a super sticker in the chat, or a super thanks later if you're on the replay crew, it means a whole lot. It keeps our radio station on the air, and because uh, all, all that music goes to licensing. By the way, uh, for the holidays, starting, I think, like the second week in November, we're going to be playing Christmas music until New Year's. Not only Christmas music, just a lot of it mixed in, just to let you guys know that. Got that coming for you. We have a whole lot. Oh, my God. I got so much stuff. Uh, I went to the grocery store earlier, and that's when another big piece of information broke out. I'm glad to be with you today. Tomorrow, you're going to want to join in for a Fruit Loop Friday. We're still doing that 6 p.m. on the dot, and we're going to party till the break of dawn. I don't know how long we're going to go on. All right. Uh, first, I want to talk about the breaking things in the, the Idaho 4K. So I'm going to go over one of the things we went over last time. Because people just didn't, it didn't click in their heads and they didn't understand. And I didn't want to say anything at the time. I wanted to double check and come back. But I'll bring that up first and then we'll talk about everything else. Who here loves Christmas? If you love Christmas, you're going to love Midnight Radio. I'm telling you. If you'd like to be a DJ, seriously, if you would like to be a radio DJ, you thought about it, maybe you dreamt about it, you didn't think it was ever in your grasp you know most jobs it takes you know an end you know you have a friend that does something it's like hey if you're interested in this i can get you a job here i'm your friend and i can get you a job here on the radio station it's international it's on it's on everywhere on the internet iheart radio is one of them tune in uh we go to android car consoles we go everywhere on on your cell phone all right if you want to be a dj we're going to make it happen first email me midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com and uh say your subject line i want to be a dj all right simple i'll email you back with the steps it doesn't cost you any money we'll train you to be a dj there are requirements uh we'll train you to be a dj Right here before the show, you'll have a pre-show. Then after you've done that long enough that your auto quality, your auto, your auto quality, your audio quality is good enough, you're going to go on your own to have your own two-hour show on iHeartRadio. That's how it works. If you're interested in being a DJ, or you can go to our website, midnightrad.io, and you can read the article on how to be a DJ right there. It's not a joke. You can be a DJ. Let's start this. we got a lot of stuff to go on. I don't know how long it's going to take. But we're going to keep on going until we go all the way. Hot ham lost her streak, guys. I don't know where she's streaking. Okay.
All right, I'm going to go with the aunt or aunt, however you like to say it first. I'm going to start with that. All right, the video is not anything you want to watch. It's just a um, AI-generated video with words going across it. But I'll read it to you. Demand for truth. Idaho murders suspects. Brian Kohlberger's aunt breaks her silence and reveals whether she thinks he'll be found guilty. The U.S. son tracked down Kohlberger's relative and spoke to multiple sources in Las Vegas, where the majority of the Kohlberger's family on his father's side now reside. Fascinating. There's some new information. They migrated over to California and then Nevada from the East Coast many years ago, where Michael, while Michael and his wife and three children remained in Pennsylvania. Kohlberger's Las Vegas relatives described the case as surreal, with many trying to distance themselves from what has become one of the biggest murder cases in recent history. Some claimed, although the 28-year-old was an odd character and very reclusive growing up, that he never showed any signs of violence and many were left stunned when he was named a suspect. Kohlberger is set to face trial over the fatal stabbings of Madison Mogan, 21, Kayla Gonsalves, 21, Zana Kernodal, 20, and Ethan Chapin, 20, on November 13th, 2022. The suspect allegedly, allegedly broke into their home in the early hours of the morning and killed them before fleeing the scene. According to court documents, pretrial hearings have been pushed back to October 26th due to an unspecified illness. Unspecified illness is odd that they even did that. Many people are saying, well, if it was one of the attorneys, there are multiple attorneys, so they should have been able to go on. If it was Kohlberger, he technically doesn't need to be there. So we don't know what this unspecified illness is. Or if it was the judge. I don't know. What, what if it was the judge? While Kohlberger remains in a maximum security cell in Moscow, Idaho, his aunt, who asked to remain anonymous, told the U.S. Sun that she's been struggling to watch the news as more details from the fateful night emerge. When I saw it on TV, I was just a loss for words, speechless. She said, appearing visibly upset. Hopefully she says more than that. It's heartbreaking. I'm a very caring person. And when I saw the news a little bit today in the living room, I couldn't take it. Hearing about them being knifed, I had goosebumps. I just cried. Unanswered questions. The four young students were viciously attacked in their beds and died sometime around 2 a.m. from multiple stab wounds, according to court documents. Prosecutors have said a DNA sample was taken from Kohlberger. was a near match to the sample taken from a sheath at the off-campus home. Oh, Lordy. Near match. This is not a good article at all. They matched it to his father, then they matched it to him. His aunt says she may not watch the trial if cameras are allowed in the courtroom, but wants to know answers to many questions surrounding the murders. Asked if she thinks her nephew will be found guilty, she replies, I think so. I just want the truth. I would like to see him or write him and find out what happened. She said her heart goes out to the victims, but she also feels Kohlberger was not well. Little Bri Bri had 
he and had battled for years with mental health problems. Kohlberger was pictured wearing a suicide prevention vest while being held at the Monroe County Correctional Facility following his initial arrest in December. I'm pretty sure that's standard procedure, though. Question on how she feels he will cope if he gets left behind bars. His aunt shook her head and replied, I think he may try to kill himself. Kohlberger has always maintained his innocence and sources previously told News Nation that the former criminology student remains confident he is going to be exonerated. When charges were read out in court, his attorney said, Your Honor, we are standing silent. And the judge then entered the not guilty plea. Our behavior. He is likely to do the same and plead the fifth at trial, which is expected to last up to six weeks. Uh-huh. He's expected to plead the fifth during trial. I'm not. Here's what I'm expecting, everybody. If I haven't told you before, I know I've told some of you. And here's a little secret. I don't have a problem with being wrong. If I'm wrong, tell me. Just don't be an asshole about it. Seriously, just say, hey, I think you're mistaken, or hey, check this out. I'll be like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Not, hey, numb nuts. Check. Come on now. I already know I'm a numb nuts. Check this out. I think he's going to. I'm going to drink a Pellegrino. I have the freedom to do so. I think he's going to get a deal at the last minute. I've seen this many times before. He's stringing this out like he has, like he's innocent, but at the end, he'll be like, okay, he's going to pull a Vander suit and confess. The only thing I don't think he'll ever be able to get, this is different. This isn't like the BTK case when he was uh, committing these tortures and murders, just get his jollies off. Kohlberger was on some other kind of jollies. He got some other kind of jollies, like a thrill kill of just to do it. If he is guilty, in fact, I didn't see any sexual component in this. Now people say, well, just having power to take somebody's life. That is not the same as sex. We're going to talk plenty about sex and murder coming up on this sexy episode of midnight radio, but All, all of you that think he's innocent, that's fine. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. And I'll just say, well, I was wrong. But I think he will pull a Vander suit, and he's going to have to confess to what he did and everything. He'll have to give him the whole story just so he won't be put to death. All right? That's what I think. And I'm, I'll be the first one to admit I might be wrong. That's fine. Put a pin in that, and we'll look at it later. You know, on this show, for those of you that are watching for the first time, the, those of you that are just joining us, we go over wild-ass speculations and wild-ass theories and crazy-ass theories. Those are cats, big cats, smelly cats. His aunt explained that there had been a lot of drama in the family, which cannot be revealed for legal reasons, as if we don't know that he stole his phone. He stole his sister's phone. But I don't know. Even before her nephew's arrest, and she has not spoken to his parents, but she had been told that they are devastated and their worlds turned upside down. She was initially advised by other relatives to, t- to stay silent about her nephew. That's what I would do if anybody in my family did this. Yeah, you know, I probably wouldn't. They are Christians, very religious, she added. Having flown her nephew and her 
and his family over to Las Vegas on a handful of occasions when he was younger. She described him as a shy and troubled teenager. She claimed she was aware of him suffering depressive episodes and was told he was on medication. Although she is not sure what he was prescribed by doctors. To me, he was humble and quiet. I didn't see any violence in him, she said, but if you're not on the right medication, you can be triggered. I think he may have snapped. I don't have an answer for why he was depressed. I guarantee he had a wonderful childhood. Michael is a wonderful man. He was a janitor, and his wife's a beautiful woman. She's a teacher, and they worked at the same school. Drug taking. How are you guys doing in chat? Let me see. I bet you have some awesome comments because you guys rock. Jethro Tull, how the hell are you doing? You're incorrect. Brian will get a hung jury in the first two trials let me tell you this jethro you cannot tell me i'm incorrect i said my opinion is that he will take a plea so he won't be put to death i can't be incorrect on my opinion i said i might be wrong come on jethro come on now all right I'm just glad the dude is here. All the DJs should be very proud of their achievements, and the radio station is great in general. Thank you very much. You know, it's hard when I have to come back here and look at the comments because I don't want to read them backwards, but I will. You still have a little tree. I have three trees in my kids' room. Yes, I have my, my tree. I'll decorate it in the studio a little bit. I'll bring out my tree and my giant candy cane. Ugh. You know, this Friday, I'm going to give you guys something. I'm going to give you a six-pack of Fruit Loop Instant Carnation Breakfast. I will be giving that out. I don't have it in my closet or my fridge. No, you can't have mine. I'll have it shipped to you if you win. The contest we're going to have on Fruit Loop Friday, you have to be a member. Guys, you have to be a member. If you're not a member, you can't watch the show when it's live, and you can't play the game. Sorry. Jen took it off as a new member. That means Jen took it off is going to be able to play i sit corrected see i could completely be wrong and you know what i might not be all right i sit corrected i want to oh man i got some stuff hold on a second we're going to continue this article Guys, have you seen the thumbnail that I made for this video? Did you notice that the Long Island serial killer and his wife were wearing makeup and Vandersuit was geeking out? I'd like to thank AI for doing that for me. Yes, I used AI to change their faces. Why are they wearing makeup? Well, you're going to find out here pretty damn soon because we're going to go over that. We are going to go over all their swinging activities. Just a swing. That's right. We're going to go all over their swinging activities. You know, in my last job, I had a really nice office. And whenever, you know, rumors would go around about people and their wives, you know, nobody, no married couple lived there, but that they were swingers. And whenever they came in, I would play this song over my stereo. Funny, though, nobody really ever noticed. And yes, I really did do that. It was an inside joke with myself. 
All right, I want to give you guys this right here. That's what I was searching for. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm doing it on the wrong screen. All right, here we go. I'm going to put this up here in case you guys want to become a member. I go crazy at the holidays, guys. I got big giveaways. Do we have anybody who who's ever been a winner? I think everybody's a winner here except Jethro. I'm not joking either. That sounds like I'm being a jackass, but I'm serious. I think all you guys have been winners here. Okay, somebody comment under mine because I can't pin the message because of um, YouTube's damn hearts. They're damn hearts that they do. I can't pin that until I get some hearts. All right, let's continue this right here. It's what Brian said. Drug taking. I flew Brian and his, you don't. You guys don't need to see. Holy moly. You guys don't need to see me like this. Is that better? Maybe, yeah. All right, somebody finally commented. I think there's a little bit of a drag. All right, somebody comment under mine. I need to. All right, here we go. Never been a winner. Electra, you, you've totally won before. I send you hats, you give them away. What's going on here? All right. Here we go. I flew Brian and his family out here a few times. Once I told Brian I would show him all around Vegas, but the odd thing was... He stayed in the house. There's not much to see around Vegas, really. There's some lights out there, and there's a casino. You can't go in, boy. Hey, there's where the prostitutes hang out here in California right now. They're walking around in G-strings. I thought about going over that today, but I thought, nah. Men walk around naked in in uh, San Francisco and uh, Southern California. And nobody cares, but a woman walks around in a G-string, and people lose their shit. I'm not impressed. Not a story I'd report on. She says she suspected he was taking drugs at the time and has previously been reported he became a big heroin addict after falling in with the wrong crowd. His aunt says it was no big secret. He was into the drug scene and she was concerned. He was also doing cocaine, mushrooms, drinking hard liquor, and popping the pills to deal with mental health issues. He just needs a bowl of Fruit Loops. It works for me. You know, the best thing about Fruit Loops is there's always another Fruit Loop there. There's never just one Fruit Loop. She hoped he had gotten clean and believed he had an interest in criminology. As others in the family studied forensics and some of his uncles have a military background. Former friends have previously spoken out to allege he sought to be the alpha among his pals after struggling with his weight during his younger years. He later reported got into a kickboxing and became vegan. All right. He later reportedly got into kickboxing and became vegan while friends claim he got more aggressive, aggressive as he got in shape. His aunt says she hadn't seen her nephew in more than five years before his arrest. She had been left shaken by details that have emerged since and feels for his immediate family. Goldberger's parents and two sisters, Amanda and Melissa, be sure to give their names out. Good job, son. Have shown support for him and believe he is innocent and they are cooperating with law enforcement, although they don't visit him very much. They were last seen arriving in court with their faces covered during a January hearing as a woman believed to be one of his sisters comforted his mother. 
They are said to be struggling financially, as his sisters were also reportedly fired from their jobs as therapists due to their association with the suspect. I think that is bullshit. I don't even think it's legal. You know, I think they have a legal recourse there. But what do I know? So that is all we have about his aunt. Do you guys think that was worth it? That's going around. I want to make sure you have everything. Jethro Toll says, our old parents gave us naked playing cards and then painted their front door red. Oh, that's right. We need to get ready for the I Hate Jerry New Year's special. We do. I'll start. We should start advertising it now. Thanks. Thanks, Susan. I'm glad you're back. I've got some saved up. Only two. Only two people have really hated me this year. But I'm, I'm sure to get more tonight. We've only just begun. Oh, Susan says this. I got to go, but I'm coming tomorrow. Apparently, my YouTube alerts don't work, but I know the time. Guys, I got some good news on this. So there's a new app that's out, okay? And every time I go live, it's not a YouTube app. Every time I go live, it's going to alert you on this app. You download the app. It's free. All right? They don't. You know, jack around the information. And um, you get this app, and whenever I go live, it'll show you. And also, it'll show you all the different video streams I put out. So if something happens to YouTube, then you can grab another one right away. See? But the best part is it it actually alerts you when I'm going live. That's right. Uh, We're going to break... uh, the creator community we've had meetings about this we've been talking about this behind the scenes and we're going to break youtube's monopoly on our content they control whether you get alerted or not they try to bully me like a fat boy on the schoolyard trying to take my lunch money away you know and they're saying if you don't give us extra money for advertisement we won't even give out your alerts We won't push your shows out to people that are interested in your content. We'll make it hard for them to even know. Really? Yeah. Give us, give us your 200 more dollars a month. What? Why am I paying you? It's my content that people come to watch. And a whole bunch of, well, we found ways around this. This app is a part of that. All right. I'm going to continue the real good stuff now. Now that people aren't expecting it. He's not talking about what I tuned in for. I'm going to tune away. So here, check this out. This is why I'm bringing this up. Now, this is based on, there's a little bit more, a tad bit, a half a sentence more information than was in the Howard Bloom article, which, if you're so interested, I doubt you are, Howard Bloom you know, had something to say after Steve Gonsalves attacked him. Basically, what he said is he st- he stands by all the information he said. No, he did never. He never talked to Steve, but he talked to people close to Steve who talked to Steve. Howard Bloom is standing by what he says. I think he's probably right. People want to talk about it. Okay, I'll get to the point here. This is new and not a summary. In Moscow, Idaho, um, 
Not long after a gag order was issued, effectively stopping the flow of information to the victims. Not long after a gag order was issued, effectively stopping the flow of information to the victims' families. Recently, Kohlberger waived his right to a speedy trial so his defense team could have more time to prepare, which the prosecutor called a smart move given the mountains of evidence, much of which authorities have managed to keep secret. But now, a bombshell report has revealed shocking new details about the horrific night. According to the newsletter, Airmail, the grand jury was told that two roommates who were also in the house at the time and survived allegedly had not only been awake while the killings had taken place but they had heard everything more astonishingly sources alleged the two girls had been texting one another as the murder went methodically from room to room adding to the mystery of the story also claims there's another secret witness okay so the secret witness is new and we're going to go to more than that you know people had been putting comments below my video you know this had already been the pca it was all in the affidavit no it wasn't did you read the affidavit? Did you read the PCA? Because we have a video on it where I read the whole thing line by line. And no, it didn't say this. I like to yell to keep you awake sometimes. I'm not really upset. It talked about people in the house texting each other. It did not say that the two surviving roommates were texting each other during the murdering. It did not say that. I challenge you to show me where it did although it doesn't matter. Just to say, this is new information. All right, adding the mystery of there being a secret witness, what the hell? Was he naked? Initially, cops suggested the roommate had slept through the massacre, but an affidavit later revealed that one of the women was awakened by what sounded like Gonsalves playing with her dog, then heard who she thought was Gonsalves saying something to the effect of there's someone here, followed by crying. The woman opened her door to see a masked man walk by, which left her frozen in shock for a few seconds, not all night. Still no one called 911 the next day, according to airmail. There is a witness who can't explain the sequence of events, but the FBI is protecting his or her identity. And I thought this is funny at the end of this article. So there's an extra witness. All right, Chuckles, we'll see if that's true or not. When this thing ever goes to trial, assuming that Kohlberger doesn't confess, just so he doesn't, you know, get the firing squad. So what really happened that night? There was a lot of weird stuff going on in that house. Former Chicago police officer Steve Wilkos, I'm, I thought that's interesting. Steve Wilkos, he helped solve crimes on his talk show. What? Like who's the baby daddy? But is not involved in the case. He exclusively tells in touch if I woke up and there were the strange mask guy. I don't know if I just sit, shut my door, go back to I don't think I would just shut my door and go back to sleep. So I'm looking forward to more details coming out during the trial. It could be a long wait. Experts predict Kohlberger won't face a jury until next year. Well, considering it's October now, I say that is a no shit assumption. That is no shit Sherlock. We got one comment. I don't know how it happens. It says this case has always been hinky. Just a swing. Swing All right, continuing on here. Let's talk about Gilgo now. The Gilgo Beach murdering suspect. Holy Moses. 
I'm not going to show it to you, but, well, hold on. I'm showing it to you. We're going to go over this. But I've already watched it. Fast forward then. But I'm watching it live. Hello, Brenda. Hello, Dragonfly. Hello, Arlene. Hot ham sandwich. Brenda Pendergast. And Susan is going by Susan. She'll TTYL. And the dude is abiding over there in the land down under. It's a little bit too early. Twilight Radio is here, too. All right, here we go. I'm going to read a little bit of this article first. So, man, I feel like I should read this. Hold on a second. The police department, they're on this Gilgo case in Suffolk, Suffolk, uh, not the commissioner, Although he sat there right by the lawyer during this. I'm going to tell you what's going on behind the scenes. It's very interesting. Of course, we're also going to talk about Delphi. There's been some brand new things in Delphi. We're going to go over everything. We're going to discuss it all. Matter of fact, let me open up my damn phone line if you guys want to call in. We're going to discuss it all today. We're going to discuss it all. Do I have any more uh, voicemails? No. Okay. Let me see if they updated this article really quick. Yeah, here it is. All right. So this whole thing that we're about to watch this whole what do you call it presser that was given was refuted automatically by the suffolk district attorney who wrote this any citizen who believes they have relevant evidence regarding the gilgo beach investigation should report it to the investigative agencies that comprise the task force witness should Witnesses should not be reaching out to a private attorney with an interest in the outcome of the case. Here's a full statement. And we're going to go ahead and read this because this is very freaking important. If it'll let me look at the son of a buck. You guys can barely read that. I know it. Now you can kind of see it. We'll go with that. So I'm going to read this. This came out after the presser that was given yesterday. Um, this was by Raymond Tierney, the district attorney. That's the guy in charge of prosecuting Von Hirmin. This guy in charge of that. He put out this right after. Okay. And that's very important. And this also tells us more about why that other presser happened. There are, uh, big things about to happen. I think without providing any advance notice to the prosecutors pursuing the case in court or the Gilgo Beach Homicide Task Force members investigating these murders day in and day out. We watched today's press conference not knowing what was going on, what was going to be reported. We will continue to investigate this case 
through the grand jury process and not through press conferences. No private attorneys are or have ever been members or agents of the task force. We have a task force. Any citizen who believes that they have relevant evidence regarding the Gilgo Beach investigation should report it to the investigative agencies that compromise that come comprise not compromise comprise the task force these agencies are the suffolk county district attorney's office the suffolk county police department's homicide bureau suffolk county sheriff's office new york state police and the federal bureau of investigation any attorneys representing victims or their families by definition have a conflict of interest and should not be part of the investigation accordingly private attorneys are not part of the task force and potential witnesses should not be reaching out to a private attorney with an interest in the outcome of the case. All right. Why is this so damn important? Well, the district attorney can go sit on a fucking banana because if you can see from the press conference, how the police have been mixed up in these sex parties with the Gilgo beach murder. And you look at before the task force, before they caught Rex, Oh, the police uh, commissioner was arrested, you know, and for beating up prostitutes and there was a sex party. He beat a man stealing a dildo in his car. What? It looks like he might have been a big part of this. So I don't know. Why wouldn't these witnesses want to go to this task force? Sit on a banana. There's my message to you, Tierney. All right, let's check this out. This explains how the police were involved in these sex parties. And there's a part, this is the uh, Suffolk police commissioner. The one before this was the one that was, a, he kicked the FBI out when they got too close. And they were like, well, what the hell is going on? You know, the one that's in prison now. So I don't know, Mr. DA. DA stands for dumbass. I think everybody should be replaced there. All right, let's continue this. We're here today because new information has been, uh, has arisen in this case from witnesses who were so far unknown. Those witnesses, of which there are four, have given us statements, two of whom have given us affidavits regarding this case, regarding Rex Uerman and Shannon Gilbert and Karen uh, Vergata. Another one of the things that's really um, revealing in this press conference is how he's saying the wife was involved in this. You know, he said that from the beginning, and now he has some, you know, at least some testimony from a witness that was there saying, yes, she was a part of the the sex parties. We don't know if she was involved in the murders or not, but we know, we know this. Before I talk about them, first, I want you to be aware of that. Here stands the commissioner, as you know, with me. And up until now, we have not made it known to the public that we have been working together on this case steadily since the time that I came to know Commissioner Harris a year ago, February. 
Uh, we, up until that point, the police department was very resistant to receiving any kind of... By the of way, this is the police commissioner, okay? It's the police commissioner. He's not giving this uh, presser by himself. It's also the police commissioner there. And the police commissioner and the DA don't seem to be on the same accord. I don't know. Maybe the commissioner's not invited the same kind of... Swinging parties that the rest of them are. Maybe the DA is. Oh, we don't really want to solve this. We don't need all that information. We got enough for Rex. Uh, not when you tell about our boys doing threesomes and foursomes with his wife. Of evidence or information from my office from what I was doing. That all changed significantly when uh, Commissioner Harris stepped in and we uh, began to collaborate. And we've collaborated ever since. That collaboration has had fruit, and that fruit, at least, are the witnesses I'm going to be talking about today, as well as other evidence and information which we have shared together and with the police department, uh, and this, therefore with the task force. So it is true to say that our cooperation has given rise to more substantial, valuable evidence in the entire case of the Long Island serial killer. So with that in mind, I'm very pleased that, that Commissioner Harrison has seen fit to open his mind and, and to do what I'm suggesting has been done, uh, contrary to all those who have come before him. And he's approaching this case in the right way. He's the right man for the job. And he's done his job well. As to the witnesses, as to the evidence, in no particular order of importance, because so much of it is important. I have stood as a beacon to, as a civilian beacon, to the people who are involved in this case to come and talk where they didn't want to approach the police out of fear, out of apprehension. Uh, out of a natural, some in some cases, a natural distaste for the police department because of the work these people were in. So they would then come to me and speak to me, and I would interview them, and we would then cooperate, I, them, and the police department. And so with that in mind, the first two witnesses I'm going to talk about are, uh, both of them uh, are not Suffolk County residents. I should point out that uh, we obtained from these two affidavits, their names will go unmentioned, their, their names are blotted out of the affidavits, but the affidavits will be available to you right after the press conference. As to the first one I'll talk about, this is a witness who has every reason to have no bias, no interest in the case whatsoever. She was not a sex worker is not a sex worker, and instead, back in the 90s, in the 1990s, she was what is known then and now as a swinger. Sex clubs in New York City, where they would switch partners with other people of like kind. On West 27th Street in New York, 
right near uh, uh, Rex Uriman's office. And this was a notorious place for swapping, for switching partners. Uh, sometimes several hundred people at a time would be involved in this. Just swinging. Uh, right at the time that uh, Karen Vergata is involved in this case. In this situation, this particular woman was uh, dating a police officer from New York City who was in narcotics, a detective, and uh, they would go to these, these switchy clubs, these time at, at or about Valentine's Day of 1996, I believe, uh, the, the, uh, the couple went to La Trapeze, and I think it was on the wall at La Trapeze where an advertisement w uh, was placed to go to a house in Massapequa Park for partying, for switching, for swapping. Her boyfriend uh, out to Long Island, but before they went, her boyfriend picked up a, a woman in New York, in the city, who had apparently just gotten out of jail, and she was disheveled and hungry, and she was a sex worker. We don't know the details yet of how he came to know her, but he knew her, and she came in the car with the two of them. They went to Massapequa Park. Before they got there, they stopped at a gas station, and the girl who was with them expressed some apprehension about where they were going and why. And that was all wiped out when it was pointed out that he's a police detective, so don't worry, no problem. They ended up going to Rex Uriman's house. In the house was the wife of Rex Uriman, the other girl, who we believe to be Karen Vergata. She, this girl, disappears downstairs at the house. Rex Uriman disappears. And according to our witness and other witnesses I've talked to, when men are swingers with their... very often, they switch seconds. And so, Uriman leaves the main floor and disappears either into another bedroom or downstairs, it's not clear. And the witness talks to Rex's wife. She doesn't want to have sex like she had expected uh, to occur because our client believes because our client's an African-American woman. And Uriman didn't like Damn that. racist. So there was no sex between them, as was originally planned. Instead, the sex is between Uriman and the other man. At some point, the witness goes looking for her partner and is kind of upset that he doesn't emerge. He emerges... And finally, they leave, and kind of in a hurry. But when they leave, as they're leaving, the witness points out that she could see in the window, looking out, the girl. 
that had come with them. And she says to her, her uh, driver, her, her partner, what are we doing? Are we taking her? And the partner says, don't worry. They're just playing a game. She stays there. No problem. With that, the girl runs out. Okay, so for those of you that are watching, let me explain this to you. So they're actually talking about Shannon, uh, he, the Long Island serial killer, Rex Hurman, who's he's been charged with being that. They haven't charged him with Shannon yet. And you'll notice this is the one that a that a uh, what police officer was involved in somehow, I think. Anyway, or maybe one wasn't involved and they just thought that he was one. But I'll continue here. But this is for Shannon that he's talking about. Out of the house, naked, and is running in front of the. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe not because there was an African American client involved. Garage, and now the witness says, "Hey, shouldn't we be taking her? Something's wrong here." And the driver tells her, "Nah, they're just playing a game. Leave it," and they leave. She never hears about the incident again. She distinctly remembers Uriman. She also had intercourse with Uriman that that same day. And uh, Ew. Oh, she kind of you know buries it, forgets about it. Until I will too. On TV, she sees the picture of Karen Vagata. And she recognizes her and said, that's her. And she recognizes Rex Uriman. And so she comes forward. forward Shannon Gilbert, that's right. I meet her. I interview her at great length. Uh, I also had the police department. Uh, we, we arranged for detectives to interview her. And I found her story. I interviewed her for three times for a total of nine hours. And uh, I found her story to be credible. She also mentioned that Rex would go out in the backyard and start a fire at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning in a big barrel that was outside in the back. He did that. worried about that, too, that it would attract police. Anyway, she seemed credible. She appears to be credible. And she was willing to sign an affidavit. Affidavit. To that effect. He's not here any longer. It will be available to everybody. They're available. And the details I've just told you. Go to my Twitter. Find there. The second witness who's come forward. This woman is not a sex worker, never was. She's not a switcher, a swapper. She's not involved in any sexual activities whatsoever. She has Church lady. by coming forward. She's not looking for a book or money. Or he grabbed her butt in the library. You're hearing about out there. None of that. But she came Not forward because she's very disturbed about what she knows. Oklahoma. After she also saw uh, Rex Uriman on television and Shannon Gilbert. And here is her story. Let's go. She is a, a banker by day, and at night she worked extra in Suffolk County as a taxi driver to take care of her family. You know, it was a one-parent family. As a taxi driver, 
she is called from her dispatcher to go to the Sayville Motor Lodge on Sunrise Highway, that infamous place that the commissioner here busted a year ago and for, for uh, prostitution and other illegal activities. She's called to go to that place and that there's a girl awaiting her in, who's locked in a bathroom and will come out if she flashes her lights and beeps the horn. And she goes there and does that several times. It doesn't work. But then suddenly, a giant man who fits the description of Rex Uerman, and he's covering his face with his arms so he can't be seen, and he runs to a van uh, or a, an SUV right nearby that's parked right there. She continues to flash her lights and beep her horn, and out comes a girl crying, shaking, very upset, and gets in her car. There they talk for a while, and then eventually they drive to the Ronkonkoma, I believe, Ronkonkoma Railroad Station so that this girl can go back in to New York City. This girl uh, was a sex worker who was servicing the big man. Ew. Uh, the man had seduced her into coming to Sayville by several times over the telephone, convincing her that he, would, he was just a nice man who was going to help and work uh, with her to help her family, her mother, her sisters, and her boyfriend. Shannon has a mother, sisters, and a boyfriend. Okay, so this was Shannon here. My bad. She had her hair pulled back, and uh, because she often wore wigs. This girl turns out to be Shannon Gilbert. Now, Shannon is lured into doing this particular tryst. And she's given an envelope, or shown an envelope, by the man that looked like it was stuffed full of money. And he tells her, there's $1,000 in there. It's for you and your family no matter what happens tonight. She looks in the envelope when he goes to the bathroom, and it's stuffed with paper. Bazinga. And so she panics and realizes something's wrong. So she goes in the bathroom, and he had become very aggressive, very angry. She goes in the bathroom, locks the door, and calls to get a cab. And that's how she comes out. They speak for over an hour, so the driver knows her. Hey guys, I got some footage of that motel. I'll show you. Let me pull that up for you. Well, and notices that she has a drooping eye, uh, which is characteristic of Shannon, uh, and also a characteristic of her, her family, by the way, uh, going back for a, a generation or two. And so she no notices that, and it helps her to remember Shannon when she sees her later on. That's the first part of the story. It doesn't end there. This is part two. Several days or weeks later, it's not clear, and this is all occurring in the fall of 19... I'm sorry, in the fall of uh, 2009. This is all occurring. Uh, she... The driver gets another call from the same dispatcher and says that there's a man named Matt who she's to pick up uh, right off of exit 59 in the expressway and uh, he would be by, he would be at a bar that okay guys I got a, a picture of the room from that place which would have been like the one Shannon was servicing von Kuhrman in wow uh Twitter doesn't work.
What is not working for me? What is wrong with you? Damn it, Elon, you son of a bitch. All right, let me continue. I'll continue this while I find another way to pull it up. I was there. Damn it. By, I guess, Ocean Avenue, somewhere over there. She goes there, pulls up on a side street between the bar and a house right next to it, and she sees a girl in a window, and then she sees to the right of her a man, a huge man rising up, coming to the car. He's dressed in camouflage, and he leans in and then jumps in the back seat sits on the edge and leans over and starts talking to her and she's watching him very carefully in the mirror and she recognizes him as the same guy that was at the motel a little while before and she now knows him to be she recognizes him from the uh, from the media as Rex Ewerman he says to her that he wants her to take her on a take him on a long trip into the woods in other words, he changed the destination she had been told, which caused her immediately to become suspicious. And he was very upset, very angry, and he began to disappear. I'm not going on a long trip anywhere. And uh, with that, he gets extremely angry and threatens to kill her and tells her. I- All right, guys, I had to download this manually to show you. It's not supposed to be like that, but. Let me show you what I got. Okay, this is a video of this is a video of the room that Von Kuhlman was being serviced by Shannon. Talk about boots on the ground, huh, folks? Our boots on the ground is Jay. outside all right if you want to see that again let me know i'll show you what that room looked like they were in i already want to kill you just give me a reason and he had a gun a handgun she says i'm not going anywhere at this point and she turns off the car and she says you can have the keys you can have my money whatever you want just let me go i'll let you have whatever you want with that her dispatcher is on the the radio and he says out loud, we know, we see you, we hear you, we can tell who you are, and the man panics, gets out of the car. She's then able to drive away. She encounters a police car coming the other way. She believes that the police officer was called uh, by a 911 caller on that issue. Could have been the girl who was in the house right next door from where she was. But comes the police driving slowly with his lights off. She tells him the story, and the man had on a lanyard with a placard of some kind, as if he were a police officer. And she asked him, are you a cop? And he said, yes. She said, from where? He said, Brooklyn. With those facts in mind, she tells the police officer who's driving, there's one of yours back there, and it looks like he's had a bad day, so you better go see what's what, or to that effect. 
She later on hears from her dispatcher that he, this man, uh, went into the woods and fired off his pistol twice. And she recognizes him very clearly to be Rex Uriman when she sees him. So she's given us this affidavit as well. There's a pattern that's developing here of Rex Uriman uh, being somebody who traces down, tracks down people and, and haunts them. Uh, and, and Shannon Gilbert would therefore be no exception. Now, the third witness has not given a statement yet. The third witness contacted me from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. That witness clearly recalls being picked up. She was a, a street walker. She gets picked up by Rex Hewerman, he, uh, in in Queens, and he drives, I think, near the, uh, the big center there in Queens, and he drives her into a park in Flushing, where he meet, makes her keep her head down at all times, commit oral sex, and then he has a pistol in his hand and tells her, get out of the car or I'm going to kill you. And don't do anything except what I tell you to do or I'm going to kill you. So she gets out of the car and he tells her, before he, she does, he tells her, I want you to pick up another person, another customer. She gets out of the car and immediately pulls up a, a, another SUV and a man driving it, an African-American man. And the, the guy that picks her up is white. And she gets in the other guy's car. And the driver, Rex Hurman, follows the car. They go. Finally, get out of the car because she panics and pulls the wheel because she sees a cop car coming. So the cop sees them go jaggedy off the road, and the cop stops them. The cop then goes back, talks to Rex and the other driver who gets out and walks back. The cop comes back and tells her, Lady, if you want to make a complaint, you have to go to the precinct and drives away. That's her story. She also has no reason. She refuses to come forward. She refuses to have herself identified. I know her name. I know her address. I've given it to the police. They're aware of it, and presumably they're investigating it. Uh, you see the pattern. There's a pattern of a guy who likes to play kind of sporting games with, with the sex workers, chases them, haunts them, hunts them. That's what we're looking at here, we believe, anyway. Uh, the fourth witness, and I'll finish on that, she comes from another state. It's so rare to have a press conference where information actually gets out. You know, usually you just have the police officers, hey, I just wanted to thank the FBI for what they did. I'd like to thank the sheriff's department for the amazing work they put on this. Hey, hey, you, hey, what department are you from? Can I lick your ass? You're next here. Go, go kiss his ass. And they just kiss each other's ass for 30 minutes. Get no information about what the hell's going on. I like, personally, I like how this attorney has stepped up to the plate and the fact that the uh, Suffolk County commission, uh, police commissioner is here with him and the DNA, the DA, as far as they're concerned, can go sit on a banana this is a good thing. We're going to see what goes. We're going to take our popcorn and our Pellegrinos, and we're just going to sit back and watch what happens. And she's contacted me as well. I have very lengthy notes and recordings of what we discussed. She was a sex worker for many years, uh, back in the time when all of these killings were occurring. And she serviced Rex Uriman. 
She said that she would service Rex Ruman over 20 times oh. and that he, would, he was oh. a serial user oh. of sex workers. No. He would sometimes have him come two at a time. I don't want to hear that. House, and his wife was home. God. Upstairs, I was hungry. No, instance, got very angry at one of the sex workers because the wife believed that the worker had stolen an iron from, you know, for iron. The so the driver had to get out. Everybody had to search the car. There was no iron. But but the, the wife knew about it and knew about, obviously, what was going on in order for that to happen. The swinger. She says that in her experience with, with, with Urman, he was never impolite. He was always nice. He was always funny. He, he treated her well, and there was no violence. But he certainly had contact with Rex constantly for a period of several years. That's as much as I'm able to tell you. There's plenty of other new evidence, which I think it will take too long at this press conference to discuss. There's plenty of new other evidence that's similar in kind and consistent in, with the kinds of things that I've just described to you. So with that thought, I'm hoping that the police department will continue <coughs> along with the, um, the task force that they will continue to look into these things, investigate them thoroughly, make the synapses that haven't been made so far, and connect them up, and connect the dots, as it were, and I think we're getting to where we want to go. Lastly, I am still working on this case. Today, I took Joseph Brewer's deposition with John from Shannon Gilbert. I just finished it and came here. I'm still actively pursuing this case on my own, as well as cooperating with the police department and the task force. But for people out there who have information and are afraid to come forward to the police, they can talk to me. They can reveal whatever they want. I will reveal it to no one. I reveal these things with their permission, the things that I told you about. But anybody else that still has information, I'm available. My door is open. My phones are open. I can help you. Thank you. Commissioner Harrison, the information presented about Karen Bergada, she's the first known victim of the serial killer. Does this lead you to make Rex Ewerman the prime suspect in her murder in 1996? You know, I don't want to uh, make Rex Ewerman the prime suspect. I, I will say this, and uh, I'll share this over and over again. Uh, the creation of the task force uh, got us into a good place of being able to identify. See, he's talking about the, ta the task force. Then you have the DA putting out a memo right after this, you know, renouncing the whole press conference. Rex for uh, three of the uh, sex workers that were discovered and were looking very good uh, for the fourth one. Uh, but we also added two more investigators to the task force to take this type of information in and to pursue it, to follow it, to see if this is credible. Uh, that's very important, and that's why uh, people don't understand. When I first came into this position, uh, I sat down with John Ray, uh, myself and the members of the task force, to have that conversation about information that he may have, and, and let's make sure we're uh, putting a, a dragnet out there regarding any information that's coming to us. That's why I'm going to continue my partnership with John, and if people have a reluctancy to come forward to law enforcement so he's saying that there is 
a partnership, and the DA is denouncing him. And they want to go to John Ray? Then it's important that we take this information and then we follow forward with uh, furthering the investigation. So, so you believe this is credible I'll, uh, It's still an ongoing investigation, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. But once again, is this, we have the information, we're working it, and uh, we'll see where it leads us down the road. Absolutely, and that's and that's a very good question, and uh, that's why I stand here today with John Ray. Uh, you know, if people uh, don't want to use our crime stoppers hotline, and they feel a lot more comfortable going to John Ray or, or anybody else. You know, I, I want to make sure that people understand uh, that we have a job here as law enforcement, as the Suffolk County Police Department, to make sure we investigate every single uh, complaint or interest in this case. Uh, make sure that we look under every single stone to see if there is any connection to Rex Hurman or if there is a connection to somebody else that may be involved with the bodies that were discovered in Ocean Parkway. Commissioner, had you heard about or known about these affidavits before today? What's the time frame? So we could go about uh, about a month and a half, uh, depending on two months, depending wow, on each that's one. all? Uh, for one of the affidavits, I was actually sat down with the, with the person myself. That just shows you my vested interest in it, uh, you know, listen, this is something that's very important to me. Uh, it's real, to guys. continue to grind to make sure anybody that had an interaction with our defendant, Rex Sherman, is held accountable in this case. Which witness did you sit down with, number one or number two? The uh, delivery cab driver. The taxi driver? The taxi cab driver, yeah. That's the one with Shannon Gilbert. That's the one with Shannon Gilbert, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, what year was that? 2007 or 9? 2009? The, the, taxi, the driver. taxi driver is 2009. The fall of 2009, and she is not absolutely certain of the time frame, but that's where it approximates. And that's where, Mary, that's where we're going to make sure we're doing our job and trying to nail down time frames, look at uh, radio runs and other things that can help us kind of pinpoint uh, if there is any credibility to these complaints that come forward, that came forward. And the commissioner did send two detectives to interview the other witness with me, uh, which we did already in, in, uh, at length. John or commissioner. Uh All right. So do you guys consider this leaking out information in the case? I know there hasn't. I don't believe there's been a gag order in this case. What do you guys think or is it better not to have a damn gag order when you're doing your investigations the police commissioner here in suffolk county agrees um, did thoughts any of these witnesses explain why they didn't come forward before now yes Even immediate was it immediately when they saw rex human's picture yeah, it was certainly a, a question we had to ask uh you know we have to ask many many questions to test credibility and and i'm not saying that people would necessarily lie although they might but that they don't remember or they mix up facts with other other situations. We had to test all of those things. And so we had to test that, too. And uh, in the one case with the uh, the witness with the swapping, she she just, she, it bothered her that they left behind this girl. But she had no other reason to think anything of it until she saw this. She actually broke down. She couldn't believe it when she saw the picture and knew that girl. 
uh, and that, that happened here with the uh, taxi driver. The taxi driver did report it. The taxi driver, uh, back in when this originally happened, she, she talked to her, uh, she, her cousin was a cop. She spoke to her family. She spoke to other taxi drivers. She told a lot of people about it. And then she did contact Crime Stoppers and, and reported and actually talked to them twice, but nobody called her back. So that's before, long before the commissioner was involved. So she did come forward, and she said, well, you know, she, when, it, when it got uh, reactivated, the issue, then she called me. Thank you. Did you find the witness too credible, the person you sat with, commissioner? So, you know, the way John explained it, and you got to just kind of take this into context, uh, she doesn't have a, a stake in the game. She's a... Um, cab driver at night uh, had a profession during the day you know she's not necessarily from this neighborhood so you know it's little things like that kind of piqued my interest and uh, once again is this you know why did she come forward and uh, her role and story and everything it's, it's something that we need to take a closer look at, and we need to make sure we're investigating it. And that's why the task force will stay in place. Uh, that's why we, we added more manpower to it. Uh, we're going to continue to work with our law enforcement partners and uh, see if there is any nexus to um, uh, to our defender, Rex Shearman, or once again, like I said before, if there's a, there happens to be another subject out there, we'll, we'll look at them as well and see if we can hold them accountable. And we reported that... Uh you guys were honing in on Valerie Mack and Karen Vergata. In this case, does this add Shannon Gilbert to the list of those two women that you're... What are you guys thinking about his wife being involved in the swinging? <laughs> Intensely looking at, you know, their personal lives and whereabouts? Well, it's, it's all the uh, bodies that was covered. Let's not rule out Peaches, the Tyler, the, the Asian male. I, you know, those were the names uh, that I shared with Tony, but it doesn't mean that uh, we're not continuing to look at all the bodies that were discovered there but uh the ones right now that uh john has when it comes to uh, Ms. Vergata and when it comes to Ms. gilbert are the ones that we're going to take a closer look at and see if they're connected to our defendant yeah so i i know our district attorney should be doing announcement uh, real soon and uh he'll keep you advised regarding if there's a, a nexus uh, to the uh, to the DNA that was recovered, and he and sure did. So this witness one said that Rex had sex with both the woman you think that he's Vergata and this other man, a Northeast detective. So knowing that indicates he's probably potentially bisexual. Does that make him more of a leading? Suspect male. Listen, any, anything is possible, uh, but once again, is this, this is something that we need to investigate, and I'm sure everybody can understand uh, there's a judicial process still going on, there's uh, ongoing investigation now that this information has been provided to us, I can only share but so much, uh, but I will uh, reassure everybody here, we are not done with this investigation, I want to make sure that that's very clear. John, can I ask you, um, is well, I can't say he is, and I can't say he's not. I, he certainly reactivated interest in himself by what he did up on Bald Hill. Uh, 
which, by the way, you should probably, and you probably know, that it's a notorious place for men picking up other men. I've represented several clients from that hill for that very same thing. And He's talking about the old commissioner, by the way. Burke was a street-smart cop. He's even noted in his disciplinary record for being extremely street-wise. He would have known what goes on up on that hill, but he also would have known the risk he was taking, and he took it anyway. Burke, the risk-taker, emerges, first of all, and second of all, Burke, who is interested in men, emerges. Hey, I'm going to go to this park and ask someone to play with my balls. Which is very much consistent with what I had said for years, that he was cross-dressing when he was with some of my clients, including uh, uh, Lorena Rickenbacker, uh, and that he had that other interest. Do Do those other interests matter? Sure they do. If you're going to look at the old police department, and see why did Burke get to where he went so easily? Could it be that there's more sexual improprieties on higher levels than we originally thought? It's something that should be looked into. Nobody finds it interesting that he represents prostitutes. Or is that is that politically correct now? Uh, sex workers, and he dresses like this. We don't know. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. 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 Thank and then she contacted me, and then I went to see her, and she's from not from this state. Okay, so she claimed that she never saw Shannon Gilbert's face on, on TV or in the media prior to this year. That I don't know. I can't say she claimed that. I, I don't, I, I honestly don't remember what, whether I asked her that or not. All right, so I'm going to give you this in the chat room. I'm going to give you a link to this article. I don't put links in the description anymore because it's a lot of work and no one cares. But I'm going to give this to you. And the reason why is because I want you to have the opportunity, the opportunity to, whoa. I'll give you the opportunity to read the whole affidavit yourself. Go over it later. I'm going to put it on my Twitter or X, my X. I'm putting it on my X so you can check it out there. Let me see. How do I do this? Do they got a link up to Twitter at the bottom? No, they don't. Well, I'm just going to copy and paste. So I want you guys to be able to look at this. We got a lot more to go over, by the way. Let me go to my ex real quick. I got... You can check out my ex. Kiss my ex. Here we go. Um, Boom, boom. Ah, shoot. Yes. I'm just going to post it up. Oh, shoot. My autocorrect's not working. All right. Anyway, there. I put it on my... Damn it. Damn it. 
I'm putting on my X. Put a link to my X for you right here. So if you're not a member, not a, and none of you are, because I got like 15 people, and half of them are naked robots. Then you can see all the stuff I post right there. Very interesting, the fact that they did this press conference and the DA wasn't involved and know about it. He said he was just, you know, sitting there grabbing his ass with both both hands, just wondering what the hell was going on. And, of course, you can read the copy of what he put out the same October the 18th. That was yesterday. That was the same damn day. All right. All right, we talked about Mr. Nothing Burger. Holy Moses. I got, we're going to talk about, um, Jesus. I'm going to save this later. I'm going to save this for later. All right, we're going to talk about Delphi first, and then we're going to go over that, okay? Um, today was Thursday, and guess what? Well, I'll tell you right here. Good afternoon. We begin with breaking news here at 4 o'clock as Richard Allen's lawyers step down, removing themselves from the Delphi murders case. That announcement came out in just the last two hours as cameras were rolling in the courtroom. So let's get right out to Bob Siegel. He's been at the Allen County Courthouse all day. Bob, fill us in. Felicia and Dustin, just stunning developments here in Allen County. The entire trial in the Delphi murders case right now is essentially on hold because, as you mentioned, the defendant's attorneys have both stepped down from this case. The most telling moment that happened uh, in today's short hearing happened before the hearing even started. Uh, what I can share with you is that defended, uh, the defense attorney, Brad Rosie, he walked into the courtroom. He approached Richard Allen's wife and mother in the gallery, whispered something to them, and then they all left the courtroom together. We would not see them again for the rest of the afternoon. Moments later, we understood what that was foreshadowing. The judge started the hearing and she made a surprise announcement. We've had an unexpected turn of events, ladies and gentlemen. Um, earlier this afternoon, the defense attorneys have withdrawn their representation of Mr. Allen. Mr. Baldwin made an oral motion to withdraw. I granted that oral motion to withdraw, and Mr. Rosie will be submitting a written motion to withdraw, I'm assuming, within the next couple of days. So again, now that both of the attorneys uh, have stepped down in the case, what comes next? Well, new counsel is going to have to be appointed. The judge said that that will happen because Richard Allen's status, he is still considered indigent. Uh, all the evidence that was shared with the defense team, that is going to have to be returned to the state. There is a hearing coming up on October 31st. Why is he considered indigent? Because he got arrested and got fired and his wife kicked him out of the house? What all is going on here, I wonder? Or is it the, that's just the normal status of things when you get arrested and you're about to go to trial? Or let's say he had a house he paid for, he was had plenty of money to go back to. Would he not be indigent then? Then when he would he be left out on bail until the trial started again? Inquiring minds want to know. To set a new trial date. 
whether the trial is going to be delayed uh, a matter of weeks or months is yet to be seen. But this will likely be a significant delay in the trial for Richard Allen. Um, and for the time being, certainly the January 8th trial date, the trial that was set to begin early next year, that date is now going to be off the books. Damn it. So I can tell you in the courtroom, state police superintendent investigators were in the courtroom um, as soon as this was announced, the state super, uh, superintendent of police looked at me, gave a big sigh. Um, this guy seems tore up as all hell about all this, doesn't he? Man looks like he's about to cry, conveying emotions like this. This throws the entire proceedings Man. right now really up in the air as far as what's going to happen next. So why did all of this happen? Well, Emily Longnecker is going to be coming up uh, at 4.30. She's going to explain some documents that were filed in court this morning that really help us to understand why the defense attorney stepped down and why the judge in this case made this dramatic announcement. Dustin, Felicia? Yeah, those documents certainly uh, provide some some potential insight into that. Uh, You mentioned Richard Allen's mom and his wife inside the courtroom. Bob, what about Richard Allen? Was he in the courtroom at all? Richard Allen was here in the courthouse today. In fact, his wife got to go uh, back into chambers behind the courtroom to visit with him before the hearing took place. But we never saw Richard Allen. The uh, judge, since his attorneys had stepped down, essentially, she saw no point to bring Richard Allen into the courtroom. She ordered him to be returned to the Westville Correctional Facility. So we did not get to see Richard Allen at all today. We did see the families of the victims. Uh, Abby and Libby's families were in the courtroom. They left today without any comment. Of course, there's still a gag order in this case. So the families and all the attorneys and the investigators, they're really not allowed to say anything at this point to the media at all for god's sakes man get it out he just was talking for a minute and a half saying that nothing that he could talk about jesus we're going to go over the paperwork that they filed and it's very telling as to what 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 the the photo leak of the crime scene that we were talking about here some youtubers got them some people talked about what they saw some people think that's disgusting some people called it, you know, just about child porn. Somebody contacted me and saying the you, the the creators that I listened to were that were talking about those photos said that all their private parts were blocked off. So it's not like child porn. What if it was your kid? All right, how would you feel if it was your daughter was murdered by somebody, and the pictures get leaked by the defense and some fucking YouTubers? that aren't worth a shit are talking about your dead kid and what they saw in those pictures. Don't tell me it's acceptable. It is not. It never will be. And the fact that you would listen to some YouTubers that would talk and describe what they saw on those pictures makes me disgusted. You disgust me. All right, let's continue this right here. All right, Bob Siegel reporting live from... Bob Siegel and his eyebrows reporting live from the courthouse steps. 
Allen County outside the courthouse. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We will check in a little bit later and continue our team coverage. And this announcement is just the latest hurdle to hit this case. And it comes as the families of Abby Williams and Libby German continue to wait for answers. Yeah, they have waited so long. It has been more than six years so since long. the two teens were found murdered in Delphi. Let's take a look at the legal development since that day. On February 13th, 2017, Libby and Abby disappeared. The next day, their bodies were found. A day after that, on February 15th, police revealed images of the suspected killer. February 22nd, they released a recording of the alleged killer's voice saying, down the hill. In July of 2017, police released a sketch of the alleged killer. Then, nearly two years later, in April of 2019, state police released I'm sorry, guys. I've got more for you. I don't have time to continue, and the reason why is because we have a uh, lectures radio shows about to come on. Um, let me give you a link to that in case you guys want to tune in. Electra, do you want to tell them there in the chat room what they're going to be, uh, what your show is about today, tonight? Our show, by the way, will be on about 8.10. It'll be 10 minutes late, but that's okay. All right. I still have a lot more to go over, guys. I have more about the Richard Allen case. I have uh, more about the Richard Allen case. I have the paperwork his attorney files and what they had to say about the pictures that were leaked. We have some more of that coming. Um, I'm going to talk about... Natalie Holloway's killer and his confession and everybody's talking about the the um cinder blocks I know a little bit about that more more about that we're going to be talking about that thank you guys for tuning in I'm out of time I appreciate you guys especially you guys that listen to the podcast you are amazing don't think I don't think you're important because you're always forefront of my mind and those that are on YouTube thank you guys very much until next time all my best